Bless the Lord. If you brought your Bible, go please to the book of Genesis. I almost always say the gospel according to Genesis by accident. But that is what it is, isn't it? Genesis chapter 8. Verse 18. Today we begin a new series of sermons called First. Say First. We've all heard the saying, first things first. God has spoken to us as a church a promise which I know he'll fulfill that the year 2016 will be a year of stability for the body of Christ. How many of you could use some stability? He said, I will make you a peg in a firm place. And there are some things that you and I have to do in order to have stability in our heart, stability in our spirit, stability in unstable times. There are some things we must do which God teaches us in His Word. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all the other things that you and I need in this life will come and they'll be provided for. But He says, seek first. Put God First, not just first, first day of the year, first day of the month, first day of the week, but first in everything. God is zealous. In fact, God is jealous for first place. He will not bless unless he's in first place. I said he will not bless unless he's in first place. Because if he blesses us when he's in third or fourth place, then we'll say, Whatever it was that I had in first place, bless me. God is zealous for his glory. He wants us to know that he alone is first and he alone is worthy. We find here in our text the life of the great patriarch Noah. Scripture says, so Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the Lord. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma. The Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of his heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Father, I thank you for your word. For it is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and able to divide between the soul and the spirit, and as between the bone and the marrow. I pray today that you would come and anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. I pray that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word and receive it with gladness and be doers of it as well. I ask this in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to ask you to tune in to this message this morning with faith. How many of you brought your faith to church? 
I taught on Thursday night that the currency of the kingdom of heaven is what? All right, that was a little weak. I'm going to try that again. The currency of the kingdom of God is what? Everything you and I receive from God, listen church, is received by faith. Did you hear that? If you want to receive anything from God, you have to receive it by faith. We received salvation by faith, didn't we? We have not saved ourselves. The Bible says that we were not saved on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. We couldn't save ourselves. God saved us by an act of His grace and and offering His Son at the cross and we receive salvation by faith. We receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit by faith as a gift from God. We receive healing in our physical bodies by faith. We receive the provision of our daily lives by faith. Jesus said when you pray to ask, Father, give us this day our daily bread. And there is in that the assumption that you believe that God is able to give you what you need. So when we receive from God, we receive by faith. In order for you to receive what God has planned for you in 2016, you must have an active faith. And this morning, this message is not as much a sermon as it is a prophetic word to this church. Some people didn't make it to church on the first Sunday of the year, but you did. And God wants to speak to you. And He wants to speak to us as a church. He wants to speak to us as individuals because there are things coming that He wants us to walk in. There are things coming that He wants us to walk in, to enjoy by faith. And so He wants us to have an active faith toward Him so that when you hear this word today, you receive it in your spirit. The promise of God is God's provision. If God promised you a car, it's because there's a car out there for you. If God promised you a house, it's because there's a house out there for you. God doesn't make empty promises. If God promised you a Savior, it's because He provided one. If He promised us healing, it's because healing is provided. If He promised us health, it's health, health is available. God's promise is God's provision. I'm going to need some help this morning. So are you ready to hear with your faith ears? Are you ready to hear with your heart? All right, let's go over this little story of Noah for a moment. Now, I haven't come this morning to argue with you about whether or not Noah and the ark was real. I believe Noah and the ark are real. In fact, I believe the Bible from Genesis 1-1 to the maps. So, if you don't agree with that, then I'm sorry, I'm not the right preacher for you. I believe the Bible from Genesis to the maps. Anybody in here with me? And uh, like Billy Graham said, they asked him, do you really believe the whale swallowed Jonah? He said, I believe the Bible. And that that means that I would even believe it if the Bible said that Jonah swallowed the whale. Now, Noah is a central figure in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, the first 12 chapters, contain 2,000 years of world history in a very short amount of chapters. In that four In that uh, 12 chapters, there are four major events that occur. Number one is the creation. Number two is the fall of man. Number three is the flood. And number four is the Tower of Babel. So Noah is that third event, that third person in a list of catastrophic events that occurred in the early 2,000 years of, of world history. And Noah is central to that and he's very important for us 
uh, to study today. As I was preparing this message, I believe God wants to speak to our hearts specifically from this text. Now, I'm not going to go through the entire litany of the story. You have the opportunity to read that. Most of you have heard it. Some of you watched the movie, which had nothing to do with the Bible. All right, so just forget about that and uh, think about the Scripture. And if you don't know the story, then read 3, chapter 6, 7, and 8 of Genesis when you get home, before lunch, so that you don't forget, all right, uh, just uh, what we're talking about today. Why are you looking at me like that's not going to happen, Pastor? All right, you're going to have to, you're gonna have to uh, catch up with me. Noah has been in the ark for 370 days. And you know that God spoke to Noah. You know God still speaks? Amen. Jesus said, my sheep here. My, well, that's a good church. My sheep here. Let's try again. My sheep hear my voice. Are there any sheep in the house? He didn't say anything about goats. He said sheep would hear his voice. Noah heard God's voice. You know how many times Noah heard God's voice? Noah lived more than 600 years. He only heard God speak five times. Five times. First time God spoke, he said, build an ark. What an introduction. Build an ark because I'm going to destroy the world with water. And I'm going to use you and I'm going to save the, 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 the human race through you. And he gave him the instructions for an ark. And God did not speak again for a hundred years. Say, so that's a long time, preacher. I don't think most of us in the church today could survive following one instruction for a hundred years. I'm including myself in that bunch. I like to hear God reiterate to me what he said. I have to say, Lord, are you sure that's what you want? I need him to confirm it seven different ways. I need him to make it clear. I need him to speak to me in a dream, a vision, a prophetic utterance. I need him to give me all the details. Noah got it once. Build an ark. And he did not hear from God again for 100 years. Now, I told you last year, one of the things God is saying to us as a church is that in order to walk in the blessing He has for us in 2016, we must increase our capacity to follow instructions. Noah had a large capacity to follow instructions. Are there any of you who like to follow instructions? Did did your teacher ever give you one of those tests where she said, I want you to go through, read the whole test first. You remember that test? Read the whole test first. And if you and then you start answering the questions. And the way it worked was when you got to the last question, it said, write your name on the test and turn it in. But the rest of us were A, B, C, because we thought, well, why read it all first? I'll just read it one line at a time. But what we didn't know was at the end it said, you don't have to take this test. Just put your name on the top and turn it in. She was testing our ability to follow instructions. Noah got an instruction and a hundred years passed. The next time he heard from God, God said, get in the ark. This man had an incredible capacity of faith. He believed God. 
He believed that God was good for His Word. And God said, enter the ark. And now He's in the ark 370 days. And again, the Bible said that He went into the ark with His family and the Lord shut the door of the ark. The Lord shut the door of the ark. The Lord shut the door of the ark. Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door of the ark. You see, sometimes people think that there is an unlimited door of grace that that God is saying, come whenever you're ready, friend. That's not what the Bible teaches. There is a definite time that God is going to shut the door. And that may be the day of your death. It may be a day of coming wrath for the world, but there's not always going to be an open door. That's why if you see that door today, run through it with your whole life. Give your whole life to Christ today because you don't know how much time you have. Someday, God's going to shut the door. Right now, the door of grace is wide open, but don't despise the day of grace. Don't despise the day of God's invitation. Today, if you hear His voice, Don't harden your heart. Don't say, I'll serve you later, God. Don't say, I'll serve you when I'm old and gray. You need to serve Him today because you don't know how long that door is going to be open. The Lord shut the door of the ark. It started to rain. Now, the ark was not a carnival cruise. It was a crude vessel. It was most likely a box. A box isn't built for floating in the ocean or in a, in a storm. And the, the, the rain began to fall. The Bible said the floodgates of the, of the earth were open and water began to rise on the surface of the earth. And that, that ark began to rise and that ark began to sway. And Noah didn't hear from God for another 370 days. That's more than a year. I, was, I went as a missionary to, uh, to Swaziland one time, and, and I was 23 years old, and the Lord was testing me. And I'll, I'll tell you, I failed the test. He didn't speak to me for a, for a month. I thought I was going to die. About quit the ministry. I didn't hear from God in a month, and I was about to quit the ministry. Noah hasn't heard from God uh, except for twice in a hundred years, and now he's in the middle of this storm. Things are getting difficult. Things are getting uh, troubling. The, the ark is coming into this into this uh, environment it's never been in before, and God doesn't speak during the entire time they're on the ark until the ark finally comes to rest. And according to God's instructions, Noah does those things which God had commanded, and the Lord speaks again. Now the third time and he says go off the ark and he's just a man who demonstrates his ability to wait on God his ability to listen to God you know friends sometimes we, we want God to give us a new instruction he's waiting for us to obey the last instruction he gave us Lord give me a new calling you haven't done the calling I gave you last time Give me a new purpose. You haven't fulfilled your purpose yet. And we want God to give us something new. But no one knew. I'm just going to have to wait on God. Now I want to just point out something to you. You and I don't live in the dispensation no one lived in. You and I live in the dispensation of grace. You and I have free access to the throne room of the living God 24 hours a day, every minute of the day, night or day, doesn't matter. Winter, snow, it doesn't matter if you are sick, tired, frustrated, happy or sad. You can go in to the presence of God because you and I are blood-bought saints of God. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. So you don't have to wait a year to hear from God. In fact, if you want to hear right now, you can. Just tune in by the Spirit. God is speaking. So you and I ought to rejoice. And and I think sometimes we take for granted the fact that we live in the dispensation of God's grace. 
And, and he's speaking to us, but we're not always listening. But Noah had a capacity to listen, to hear, to receive instruction, and to obey. And now the Lord says, go out of the ark. Now I want to set the scene for you. What's, what does he find when he comes off the ark? 370 days the world has been in this catastrophic event. Waters have covered every square inch of the planet Earth. The waters have receded. And there is nothing in the earth left but death and destruction in its wake. Every tree has been uprooted. Every blade of grass has been taken down. Every vineyard, every fruit tree, every branch is broken. There are corpses of, of, of animals and human beings all over the world in, in this absolute catastrophe of this experience. If I were Noah, I would have gone back in the ark. This was a new world now. He comes out into a brand new world, a brand new experience. And just like you and I, he had an opportunity for a new beginning. You and I here today at the beginning of 2016, we have an opportunity for a new beginning, an opportunity for a fresh start. But let me tell you something, church. It's not just about a calendar year. It's the fact that God is giving this church a new season. A breeze of His Spirit is blowing in this house. And God is doing things that He hasn't done in a long time. And He's doing it among us. He's chosen us to be a part of it. I told you He was going to need some faith in here this morning because God is up to something you may not be able to see it but if you have some faith you can see it you may not be able to hear it but if you have some faith you can hear it if you may not be able to sense it in your natural but in your supernatural inner man you can sense God is up to something is there anybody that agrees with me this morning am I the only one around here that feels that God is up to something Come on, Kingsway. Am I the only one in here that believes God is up to something? He comes off the ark. And there is destruction in in every place. He's got to start a new life. A world of opportunity is before him. God is about to start over for the world. God is a God of new beginnings. He's a God of freshness. He's a God of newness of life. You don't have to live in yesterday, friend. God is a God of new beginnings. Did you blow it yesterday? Guess what? Today is a new day. Did you blow it last week? Guess what? This is a new week. Did you blow it last year? Guess what? This is a new year. I don't know what 2016 holds, but I know who holds 2016. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And if God is in control of my future, then it's going to be all right. I can go forward and know that there are good things in store for my life. And there are good things in store for your life. Now, Noah comes off the ark, and let's notice what he did not do. What's the first thing he does? He does not build a dream house for him and sister Noah. He doesn't say, honey, I'm going to build you a house so big that they're going to be able to see it from all of the surrounding regions. He doesn't say, I'm going to build you a house with a big window with a million dollar view. He doesn't, he doesn't begin to build a dream house. No, he doesn't throw a party and celebrate the fact that they're the only ones who survived this catastrophic 
catastrophic event in which God's wrath destroyed the human race all but eight. He doesn't even go about setting a strategy for how they're going to survive this new world. Instead, what he does is he builds an altar. And I'm here today to tell you, church, that the place to begin when you start a new season, start by building an altar. Tell your neighbor, altar first. The altar is the first stop. It is the first place that you and I must go. If you want to live a new kind of life, you have to come by way of the altar. What is the altar? The altar is a place of worship. It's a place of acknowledgement that if it were not for the Lord who was on our side, our enemies would have risen up against us and swallowed us whole. But the Lord was on our side and for that reason we're still standing. An altar is a place where we acknowledge God's goodness and God's faithfulness to us. An altar is a place of prayer and communion with God. An altar is a place where you and I can dialogue with the Almighty and hear the very will of God expressed by the power of the Holy Spirit. An altar is a place for faith where people who believe God come and offer up those things that belong to Him in acknowledgement of the fact that they believe His promise and they are cons- they're going to do His will. An altar is a place of dying. No, no sacrifice that ever went to the altar ever went home. If you went to the altar, you only needed a one-way ticket because you weren't coming back. It was a place of dying. You know, friends, the Bible says that you and I are to be a living sacrifice. And the problem with a living sacrifice is we like to crawl off the altar from time to time. But where does blessing begin? It begins at the altar. It begins at that place where you die to your will. You die to your way. We sang today in the hymn, Let my will be lost in thine. That is the place of an altar where your will dies to the will of God. Where your will comes under submission to God's will and God's purpose for your life. It is a place of sacrifice. It is a place where things come to an end and new things begin. A place that changes your life. You see, the altar will alter your life. Say that with me. The altar will alter my life. That's why people don't like the altar. Because the altar will alter your life. No one who's ever been to an altar genuinely ever left unaltered. Anybody ever been to the altar for marriage? Where are the married people? You came to an altar one day. Maybe you were a young man, young lady. You guys came to the altar. You said some vows. You walked away. Your life was altered forever. Come on, where is the church this morning? It was a good alteration, right? You'd never be single again. The altar altered your life. Now, if you're going to go eat, you got to ask the partner, what do you want to eat? Now, if you're going to buy a car, you got to talk about it. Your money is now 
our money. Why? Because your altar, the altar altered your life. Some of you came in this church, you had a, a chip on your shoulder against God. You were, you were just here because somebody invited you and you said, I'll just get them off my back. But then the preacher started preaching and you started feeling the conviction of the Spirit and you started feeling drawn to God and you came down to this altar and you said, Lord, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. And He forgave you and He gave you a new birth and that day your life was altered at the altar. Are there any saints people in the house today have you been to the altar it changes you the altar is the centerpiece of the bible this is the first time we hear the word altar mentioned and it is the centerpiece of every man and woman of god's life throughout the entirety of the scripture you go into the next few chapters of Genesis, you find Abraham, Abraham the father of the faithful, he was a builder of altars. All throughout the life of Abraham, we see him building up altars to God, setting up places of commitment and conviction, places of dedication. You remember he even went and took his own son to an altar to lay him down to say, God, my dream will die so that your dream can live. My will will die so that your will can live. Friends, we looked further through the Bible, we see that Moses put an altar at the very beginning. According to God's instruction, the first thing you saw when you came into the tabernacle was an altar, a place for dying, a place of submission, a place where our lives are altered and changed. You go a little further and you find that Jesus himself was the builder of the greatest altar that man has ever known. 2,000 years ago, he carried his altar up to, the, up to Mount Calvary. And on that cross, he put himself as a sacrifice for the sin of the world. And the cross became an altar for our souls. Is there anybody in here who's been altered by the cross? Who's been changed by the power of grace that was purchased on that day at Calvary? Jesus offered up himself on the altar for our sins. And so you see, friends, if you want to walk in the newness of life, if you want to walk in the plainness of blessing, you must build an altar. When you've come off of a storm and you're the only one that survived, build an altar. When you've lost your way and you found your way back, build an altar. When you have, when you have need of wisdom and insight, build an altar. When you're walking in darkness and can't see God's vision for your life, Build an altar. When you are being anointed king or given a new position in life, build an altar. Wherever you go, King's Way, we must be people of the altar. We must be people who recognize that there is one place to begin and that is the presence of Almighty God in worship and adoration. You guys make me nervous sometimes because you ignore the altar. Oh, I can't believe Pastor said that. I'm telling you the truth. You ignore the altar sometimes. Well, let the young... Christians go. Let the new believers go. The altars for those people who are who are just getting started, friend. Noah wasn't just getting started. He had a trajectory with God. He was the only man in the world God saw qualified to survive the worldwide flood. And yet in that maturity, he knew that the place to begin was the altar. That place of submission. There you see that he offered a whole burnt offering. This was a free will offering. What is a free will offering? In the Bible there are some offerings that were required for the forgiveness of sin. But there were some offerings that were called free will. That meant God never asked for them. 
They were given out of the desire of the, of the offerer's heart. The worshiper decided, I want to give God an offering. I want to give God something. And that worshiper opened up his, his life and gave an offering to God. This was a, a free will offering. It was also a whole burnt offering. It meant the whole thing was burned up to God. Unlike some offerings where parts of it were kept for the sustaining of the priests and the Levites, this offering was completely consumed in the adoration of God. What does that tell us? That tells us, number one, that Noah had a worshiper's heart. He wanted to begin this new life by giving God everything. By making an act of devotion that would be so clear to everyone that he was committed first to God. That he was going to begin this new season of his life by offering up out of his own free will a just because offering. Have you ever given a just because offering? Don't you like receiving just because gifts? What are these flowers for? Just because. You ladies like that? Guys, that is good advice right there, all right? Some just because flowers. Somebody puts a little a little Pentecostal handshake in your hand, that's when they put a a bill in your hand, not a phone bill, but a $20 bill or a, or a $50 bill they put in your hand. And they, you say, I say, what's this for? I say, just because. Come on, don't act like, oh, I don't know. You know you like those kinds of gifts. <laughs> Noah comes up the ark. So I want to give God a just because offering. And he takes an offering of the clean animals. Now, this is something that confuses a lot of people because the Bible says, and you've seen it in all the cartoons, that the Lord told Noah to take two of every kind of animal on the ark. But he also told him to take seven of every kind of clean animal. So he took two of every kind, and in addition to that, he took seven of the clean. Now, the clean animals were the oxen, the sheep, the goats, and the doves. And these were going to be used for sacrifices. And the Lord told him in Genesis 6 to take seven, 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 seven male goats, seven female goats, seven male ox, seven female ox, seven uh, male sheep, seven female sheep, and so on. And so when he offers up this offering, the scripture says he offered up all the clean animals that he had taken up. Listen now, do a little math, 14 oxen, 14 sheep, 14 goats, 14 doves, more than 56 animals on the altar. This was an extravagant offering. This was an offering that would go above and beyond what would generally be required. For the remission of sins, you might be required an ox, but he offers 14 oxen. And that is a lot of steak and hamburger and a lot of, of lamb chops in a world where there are no grocery stores. Listen, church. This man offered to God his meal allowance. He was so grateful, so so desirous of giving God some extraordinary offering that he offers up 56 animals, possibly more. 
And you can imagine his sons were probably thinking, Dad, you know, this is probably a little bit over the top. Don't you think we should dial it back a little? We just, we just landed on the earth again, and we don't know what we're going to be able to survive on. And yet he was committed to giving that to God. If you ever get stuck in the forest, you know what you're going to do first is you're going to see what supplies you have, and then you're going to make sure you don't burn them all right all at the same time. Well, Noah had a different opinion. He said, I'm going to trust God. He offered up those clean animals to the Lord. And I want to speak to you today, and this is where it's going to get a little bit real for you, Kingsway. Can it get real? God said to me as as I was preparing this message, I I I felt him in my spirit say, I am ready to receive the extraordinary offering that I have been asking of my people. Now, I shared with you last year how the Lord was going to receive from us an extravagant offering. And I know He's spoken to some of your hearts. And in the last few months, maybe you've been thinking, I want to give something to the Lord. I want to give something extravagant to Him. And as I was in prayer yesterday, I feel the Lord said, I am ready to receive an extravagant offering from my people because I am ready to release a new season. In fact, that's that's not quite right. He said he's ready to release the season. You didn't hear me. He's ready to release the season that we've been waiting for. I'm going to need some faith in here this morning. Not just any old season. I'm grateful for the seasons that he has released. But he wants to release the season. The one we have been praying about. The one we have dreamed about. The one that he's been talking about longer than I've even been here. He is saying, I am ready to release this season of blessing and harvest on Kingsway Church. But I am first going to have them build me an altar. There's a season you've been waiting for in your family. You've been waiting for your due season, haven't you? The Bible said, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Some of you have been waiting for your season, and that season is just about ready. In fact, it's already begun. God's saying, I'm ready to receive an extravagant offering from my people. Now, I don't share this to boast. I shared it with the, with the Spanish congregation a few months ago in the Bible study, but I want to share this. Last year, as I, was, as I was driving one day, I felt the Lord say, Isaac, I want you to give me an extravagant offering. Now, you have to understand the reason for that is that I have been talking to the Lord about breakthrough. I've been talking to the Lord about Shifts. I've been talking to the Lord about transitioning into that place that he has promised us. And the Lord never answers quite like you're asking him, right? You ask him a question over here and he comes out over here with the answer. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with this? And so he comes out with, I'm ready to receive an extravagant offering from you. I said, Lord, I'm driving right now. This is really not the time for that. 
Then I was in prayer. He said, Isaac, I'm ready to receive an extravagant offering. I said, Lord, I'm praying right now. <laughs> you ever played games like that? Finally, he had my attention. I said, Lord, what do you want? My whole life, I wanted to give to God. And as a young preacher, seven or eight years in full-time ministry, I live week to week. But I was wise and steward in my finances, and so I would manage to save up some money, and then, and when I had a good little chunk, the Lord would ask me for it, and I would give it to him. And now he was about to do it again. He said, Isaac, I want everything in your bank account. Okay. He said, I want everything in your savings account. Okay. He said, I want your emergency fund. I said, Lord, Dave Ramsey said I have to have an emergency fund. That's baby step number one. You're laughing, but you're about to enter the same zone. You see, I went in there first because I have to lead you there. And let me just... Let me just show this thought in your mind real quick. If you're going to give more than you've ever given, it's because you have to receive more than you ever received. That was weak. I said, if you're going to give more than you've ever given, it's because you had to have received more than you ever received. When I added it all up, I went and, I went and withdrew everything from the bank. The teller kind of looked at me like, what is he doing? And I had nothing, zero left. Ever been on zero? I was the happiest man on zero. I had a smile. I had a joy in my spirit. I had just entered into a new place with God. The fact that I was able to give to him freely, and, and it, was, it was a sum that was more than 10% of my annual income. And when I gave it to the Lord, I knew a season had begun for this church. Fast forward January 1, 2016, he says, Isaac, I want an extravagant offering. I'm driving, Lord. <laughs> he says, now you're going you you're to give me more. And I already know what I'm going to give the Lord. But right now, he's speaking to your hearts. Some of you he's not speaking to because maybe you're not a, a follower of his and you haven't learned to hear his voice. But those of you who know how to hear his voice, he's speaking to your heart. He's saying, remember that thing I told you about maybe a year ago, two years ago, six months ago? I'm ready to receive it. I want you to bring it to me. I want you to offer it to me as an extravagant offering. I don't know what he's going to ask you to give, but we're going to receive this offering on the first Sunday of February. I'll just tell you the fact, I have to go sell some things to give him what he's asking of me. And I'm excited about it. I'm happy about what God is asking 
of us because he's positioning us to enter into a new space, a new level. Noah gave an extravagant gift to God. Not out of his surplus, but out of his lack. Out of the limitation of his resources. And that offering began to be burned up. I don't know. I have a, I have a suspicion. I can't prove this as a Bible teacher. But um, I, because I know the scripture, I know that, that this happened many times. I believe God may have even sent fire from heaven upon that altar. And as that, as that altar begins to burn and that, 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 uh, that offering goes up into the Lord, the Bible said the Lord smelled the offering. And he liked it. I wish I could smell. I don't have a sense of smell. When I get to heaven, I'm going to smell for the first time. First thing I ever smell will be heaven. Hallelujah. I'm going to like it. <laughs> the Lord smelled that offering. Last night, as I was studying this yesterday afternoon, something happened to me, never happened to me before, and you're going to think I'm crazy, some of you, but I don't mind. You've seen me jerking. And the shake in the presence of God anyway, so it doesn't, it doesn't bother me uh, anymore. But I was sitting there, and as I read that, the Lord smelled the offering. And I felt God's spirit in my spirit. And I started to weep like a baby. I had no reason to weep. I said, why am I crying? I wasn't drunk I was plain sober, reading my Bible. And I saw God smell. I began to weep, and then I began to laugh. Outrageously, hilariously, out loud. Like a fool. And I started laughing and crying. Laughing and crying. <laughs> I said, Lord... Don't let anybody come visit me right now. <laughs> and as I was laughing and crying, I said, Lord, why am I laughing and crying? I'll tell you what I saw. I saw the Lord say, I have smelled Kingsway Church. And I like what I smell. Church, we have found favor with God. He said, I like what I smell. I saw God smiling on this church. I said, He's smiling on this church. If you're not a member of this church, I'd become one today. God is smiling on this church. Come on, somebody. God is smiling over us. He has smelled the offering of worship. We haven't done it perfectly. We have been, we've stumbled and fallen. We've had our mistakes. But let me tell you, we have done what is pleasing in the sight of God. We have put God first. We have made Jesus Lord of this house. Somebody give God praise. Give Him glory in this house. Now, I'm not speaking for everybody. 
I'm not speaking for everybody, but I'm speaking for this church. He said, I'm smiling over Kingsway. And I'm about to release the season that you've been waiting for. And the first thing is an altar. That's why I'm confident this is not new to you. You have heard it in your spirit already. God's already spoken to you. And he just was waiting for his timing. And this is his timing. This is his season. Now listen, Kingsway. The Bible said the Lord smelled the offering and he liked it. And he thought to himself. Did you know that your faith when it's active, can get God to think about you. Jesus stopped in his tracks because a woman touched him by faith. Noah offered an offering and the Lord started thinking. It leads us to believe that the Lord had not decided yet that he would not ever do this again. But at that moment, when he saw that one man in intercession, he thought, and he said, I will never again destroy the earth with water. He didn't tell anybody right at that moment. He just had a thought. Did you know God's thinking about us? Isaiah said the thoughts of the Lord are higher than our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And his ways are above our ways. The psalmist said, the Lord's thoughts are so wonderful for me. They're too much to behold. Jeremiah said, the Lord speaking, I know the thoughts I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to bless you and to give you a future and a hope. God said, I will never destroy the earth again. And when I, when I heard that in my spirit, I heard another prophetic word last night. God said to somebody in this church, you have been walking around this mountain long enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. God said, I want you out of that cycle. You have gone round and round with this thing long enough. Somebody had better receive this. I'm not preaching points. I'm preaching prophecy right now. You have been around this mountain long enough. God said it's about time for you to break out. I'm preaching breakout right now. If you need a breakout, I'd break out right now. Never making ends meet. Always trying to get there. Always trying to just stretch it a little bit more. Can I tell you, God said, you have been around this mountain long enough. 
dealing with the same temptation, the same addiction, the same habit. God said you have been dealing with this thing long enough. I did not send my son to the cross so that you can live with that thing. It is broken in Jesus' name. And then he said, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Now listen, church, the only thing that survived the flood, it wasn't on the ark. The animals died, the human beings died, the trees died, the, everything died. The only thing that did not die was the seed. There were seeds all over the earth. The earth was destroyed but there was seeds everywhere and this is what God told me last night he said tell my people that their seed will survive the storm your seed will survive the storm I said your seed will survive the crisis come on somebody I'm talking to some people you have been sowing seed for 20 years and you have seen a crisis or two and you thought I guess that seed is gone God said I will see to it that your seed survives the storm your seed's not lost it is coming harvest is coming now I'm not going to preach you happy I'm just going to tell you what God told me and if you receive it you better receive it right now are there anybody in here ready to receive it Come on, then do what you got to do. Build an altar right now.